This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. A new attack in Syria leaves the president reversing himself, apparently, on the need for the United States to disengage from the conflict. Cato Institute's John Glazer says it's a good time to examine the authority the president has, and notably does not have, to launch new attacks in that region. We spoke today. So a few days ago, uh, images were released online of an apparent chemical weapons attack in uh, a rebel-held territory in Syria. Um, It elicited uh, international reaction, as would be expected, uh, part of which was uh, several Trump tweets indicating that, uh, strongly implying, in fact, that he might take some military action in response to this. Uh, It harkens back to roughly a year ago in April 2017 when a similar chemical weapons attack, uh, evidence of one, emerged. And uh, about 60 hours after that news, Trump uh, had a missile strike, ordered a missile strike on a Syrian air base. Um, Now, this also comes in the context of some very mixed messages that Trump has offered in recent days and weeks. Uh, He said last week, I think, that he wants all U.S. troops withdrawn from Syria. Um, He wants uh, that to be expedited, in fact, and he got some pushback from his national security advisors. And then today, of course, or yesterday, uh, he issues these tweets strongly implying that he's going to take military action. So it's kind of, you know, it doesn't signify to me that he's thinking thoroughly through these ideas, and it also doesn't signify that that he has much control over his own foreign policy. Um, but, you know, the, pro- the, the, the strikes in April 2017, it's worth remembering, had no tactical or strategic utility whatsoever. Um, they, they didn't improve the humanitarian situation on the ground. They didn't alter the balance of power within, you know, on the battlefield within the serious civil war. Um, it didn't further U.S. interests. It was merely a pinprick strike meant to be punitive um, and in the hopes that it would deter Assad from killing his own people, which it failed to do that either. Um, so before we sort of rush headlong into a, n- another or a even deeper uh, U.S. involvement in Syria militarily, we need to ask what our objectives are. What are we actually trying to achieve and what do we expect to be achievable given the means that we employ uh, toward our ends? Uh, and that question doesn't seem to be asked uh, uh, very much so far. Uh, one other thing that I think is unfortunately being left out of the discussion is the legal question. Uh, under what legal authority is Trump going to strike Syria? Uh, his April 2017 strike lacked any legal authority. Congress didn't authorize uh, new military action against a new enemy, um, nor do we have international legal op- uh, authority. The UN Security Council hasn't voted, and Syria doesn't present a direct threat to the United States. So. This is acting unlawfully once again if we take this uh, strike again. Um, so strategically, tactically, humanitarianly, uh, legally, uh, I don't see the justification for uh, another strike.
What was the Obama administration's response to uh, the tragedy in Ghouta in 2013? And what, what sort of what had the Obama administration laid out ahead of time? Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, in, in uh, 2012, Obama laid out a red line and he said, if the Syrian government starts uh, moving around or using chemical weapons, that'll be a red line for us. And the strong implication was that um, military action would follow. Um, what ended up happening actually is that Obama deeply regretted that statement. And after the Syrian the 2013 chemical weapons attack, uh, he was reluctant to en engage in new military action against Syria. Um, he also, that turned out to be something of a bi bipartisan recognition. Uh, there was enormous opposition in uh, Congress, Republican held. And there was massive amounts of news reports about how many calls and emails and letters uh, members of Congress were getting to uh, from citizens saying, do not involve us in another Middle Eastern quagmire. What ended up happening is that the Obama administration made a formal request for Congress to authorize new action. Uh, Secretary of State at the time, John Kerry, uh, asked uh, Congress in testimony for this, and he made the case very strongly, and Congress failed to authorize it. Uh, and so we didn't act in, in response to that red line. Now, a lot of people criticize this and say, well, our credibility was at stake. In other words, we have to strike Syria, despite the fact that it has no tactical or strategic or humanitarian benefit, um, merely to show the rest of the world that when America says it will act, it will act. And if we don't act, we'll encourage and embolden all of our adversaries around the world to test our threats and promises. Um, so the argument later became, oh, uh, Vladimir Putin uh, invaded Ukraine because we didn't act in Syria. Uh, that's never been a justification ever cited by the Russians in any source whatsoever. Um, and it, it buys into this false belief that we have to act everywhere in order to scare everyone into behaving. People forget, for example, that uh, Putin did something relatively similar in 2008 in Jordan, uh, sorry, in Georgia, um, and that was during the Bush administration. And surely the Putin regime did not doubt the Bush administration's willingness to use force. So this credibility argument for greater intervention in these cases, I think, does not pass muster. Uh, in February, James Mattis uh, said, this is from the Associated Press, um, the U.S. has no evidence to confirm reports from aid groups and others that the Syrian government has used the deadly chemical sarin on its citizens. That's according to uh, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. Yeah, look, um, I think in every case where the Syrian regime has been accused of... Um, using chemical weapons, uh, it's extremely hard to get the hard evidence uh, that would uh, clearly uh, lay blame at one source or another. There's always counter claims that it's done by some kind of militant group on the ground or ISIS. And certainly if one thinks about the sort of rational um, actor model and asks themselves why would President Bashar al-Assad use chemical weapons, especially if it invites international condemnation and potentially U.S. military action, which could, in fact, escalate and lead to regime change and so on. That is a real question. I think we need to be somewhat modest and humble about what we know um, and not automatically take uh, government claims uh, that 
they know precisely what happened on the ground, um, uh, uh, you know, to, to heart. We need to be skeptical and scrutinize each claim, especially when it's being used to justify military action. With respect to uh, the president's view that the United States should not be directly involved in uh, Syria, have there been any steps up uh, before now that would uh, lead us to believe that that was in the offing? Well, reports indicate that Trump made those statements without consulting his his national security staff. Uh, it wasn't something that they planned and and hashed out and behind doors, and then he came out publicly and said it. He seemed to just say it off the cuff. At least that's how it's being reported. And certainly there were further reports that the national security team pushed back on those comments afterwards um, and, and tried to persuade Trump that we needed to maintain the 2,000 U.S. troops that we have in Syria. Um, he uh, reportedly was not persuaded. He still uh, advocated for an eventual U.S. withdrawal, if not an expedited U.S. withdrawal. But again, this highlights how confused and erratic uh, and inconsistent Trump's uh, foreign policies are with regard to Syria and and, and other places, because now he's strongly implying, uh, along with uh, statements from Emmanuel uh, Macron in in France, that action will be taken uh, to counter this uh, this alleged atrocity and chemical weapons uh, use, if the United States does deepen involvement in this, you know, multi-sided conflict in Syria, what is step two? Yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, um, we know from looking at the Syrian civil war that the risks of escalation are very high. Um, if we take action against the Assad regime, uh, first of all, I worry that mission creep will set in. As we saw with Libya, we had a UN mandate to protect the civilians in Libya from the Gaddafi regime. And almost as soon as we started to intervene uh, in Libya, that mission changed to overthrowing the Gaddafi regime. And it led to all kinds of anarchy and chaos and militantism and even the growth of ISIS in Libya. And so we need to really be careful that 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 doesn't take place in Syria if we do end up taking action. What's it? What's it, what? what I, what's so interesting about this uh, to me is that uh, you have uh, Barack Obama in 2012 saying, uh, "I'm drawing a there's a red line here. If that red line is crossed, we have to take action." And then uh, that red line apparently was crossed, and no action was taken uh, with the help of. Congress, I, I believe I remember Barack Obama saying, I have the authority to do this, but I'm going to let Congress make the decision, uh, which so, was so generous of him. And uh, Lindsey Graham just, just recently, uh, he told Fox News, this is uh, according to Reuters here, he says, this president has the chance to do the exact opposite of Barack Obama, send a strong signal that there's a new sheriff in town and America's back. Because you have a president who has said, I want our troops out of Syria and now with this attack, he may have to go against that. Is U.S. credibility on the line to the extent the president says we're we're going to disengage from this conflict and then decides to engage in the conflict? Right. Yeah. So there's all kinds of contradictions in the credibility arguments. Uh, but I think Lindsey Graham's comment there that you cited is actually pretty instructive. This is about signaling to the world that America remains global cop. It's not about securing U.S. national interests. It's not about humanitarian concerns. I mean, quite frankly, if we really wanted to act in service of humanitarianism, uh, there's plenty of easy and cost-free options for us to do that, namely stop supporting the Saudi war in Yemen 
This is a bombing campaign that's been going on for several years with U.S. support. Uh, they've been accused of there's credible allegations of war crimes. They've bombed hospitals and schools. More than 10,000 people have been killed, including many civilians. They're putting hundreds of thousands of civilians at risk of starvation and famine as a result of the blockade that's been associated with this bombing campaign. So before we wag our fingers in other people's directions and rush headlong into a Syrian civil war that has high risks of escalation in order to, you know, w claiming that we care about humanitarian suffering, let's at least first stop what, we're, what we are actually doing uh, to cause humanitarian suffering in Yemen. So I, I just find it uh, disingenuous. You know, Russia is still in the skies in, in Syria. Iran has forces on the ground. Uh, if we end up clashing with those forces, it could escalate even even more. Uh, this could be an order of magnitude worse than it is now if we misstep here and uh, and entangle ourselves in the Syrian quagmire further. John Glazer is Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. Thank you.